Just recently I wrote an article for fleetautonews.com.au the other day about the Prius. And I was saying how it started out very much as a symbolic car. It was a case where you bought one not because of the financial value of doing so, saving some fuel, yes, but it cost you a lot to buy when it first came out, but rather as one that reflected you or your industry or business or your organisation as one who was concerned about the environment. Now I think we're moving to no car at all, and the mayoral elections in Melbourne are an example of that. Councillor Ken Ong, he's been the council's planning chairman for some time, and he's now running for the Lord Mayor, and he said if he wins, he would dump the mayoral driver and he would walk. Now this, uh, I think... In Sydney, uh, Clovermore, of course, went to a Prius as an, a sample of that. But, Brian, can we go to walking as a, a practical as, as well as a symbolic solution? Well, well they're talking more about, uh, about more than walking, aren't they? So I think every one of the candidates for mayor apart from the incumbent has has said that you know, they would they would use uh, they'd walk they'd take public transport and if they did need a car they'd hire a car for the day so so I think yes it's entirely practical and in fact our current prime minister as a senior member of the opposition was known for travelling extensively on public transport and hmm. and you know yes you can go to other countries particularly New Zealand and see. Um, Mayors and ministers on public transport and Boris Johnson on a bicycle, those, those sorts of things. Look, I think it's, it's two things. It, it's symbolic, obviously, around being better connected with the people, but it is also if you have a, a city that is rich in transport options, then why is it not appropriate for, you know, our elected representatives to also use those and understand what we all go through in our daily life? Rich in tra- transport options. Oh, I love that expression. I know a case where I'll have to use that in the near future. There's also, there was an expert out from the Netherlands not long ago. I think their prime minister was seen going to a meeting with Putin where he was riding on a bike to the meeting, or at least a very senior Russian, who, who was ultimately offended that he should approach such a meeting in such a lowly way. As you say, I think it was a great idea. Have they got a king in the Netherlands? I think he was seen out on a bike as well. Perfect. Well, the other thing, Brian, I, I was in the centre of Sydney the other day, which is many, well, the main street has been closed in part, in, in a major part, because they're building a tram line through there. And I've got to say, gee, the city was nice. Yes. Yeah, the shutting down of George Street turned it into quite a pleasant space for a while, didn't it? Yeah. Before the major construction happened, there were back basically no buses, very few cars in that street. And it, it, it made a huge difference just to noise, the level of noise. Mm. You and I discussed a while ago about how you know, I don't I don't drive in the city at all. I take public transport and I walk in the city centre. And so when I actually had to pick up a car from work and take it somewhere, I was bamboozled. How do I drive through the city? How do I get to my home from here? And I had I realised I I didn't understand the city from a car driver's perspective. I didn't understand where I could turn and not turn what routes were available to me. That means I am sort of homo public transportus or something like that, that I've, I've evolved beyond a reliance on the car. And do you know what? If I ever want to get somewhere on time, I do not take a taxi. I do not drive a car. I take public transport and walk. And so 
there's a simple benefit for our elected reps that they may well get places on time and get more done. I've said in the past, a little while ago now, that I want to do a James Bond movie where he doesn't have a special car, he has a free public transport pass. <laughs> pass. And the baddies hop in a car and get caught in traffic. He oh, hops on a, a train and gets there first. And beheads them with his metro card. <laughs> yes. Sharpened. Usual. Who was the... the the guy who had the bowl of job. Old job. Old yeah. job. Old, Old job. job, yeah. All right. Uh, now, Brian, you have a story for us. Yes, David. This is about road safety and a recent road safety event in Europe, in Finland. Road safety specialists from the European Transport Safety Council pointed out that speeding is the single biggest contributing factor in fatal road crashes. And so they're proposing uh, to implement, or countries should implement, something called ISA, which is Intelligent Speed Assistance. And this is a, a system in the car that recognises speed signs and it uses satellite information to tell drivers when they're exceeding the speed limit. And some of these, and some of these are actually in board motor cars, have a function that will override your throttle and prevent you from accelerating above the speed set. There's a bit of discussion now about whether these could be applied in Australia. And Australia sort of road toll deaths is something like 1,275, where um, there's been a 6.9% increase in, in deaths to August 31. And uh, now police have been catching more speeding motorists. So maybe something like this could help to, to drop the 1.25 million road traffic deaths uh, a year across the world. And, you know, those sort of almost 1,300 people who lost their lives uh, on the roads in uh, Australia. Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, I think the question of how intelligent is it, of course, Mercedes-Benz, a lot of cars, well, a reasonable number of cars now, do have speed limiters that you can set the speed like you would for a cruise control, only it won't allow you to go over it unless you really push your foot to the floor. So if you want to overtake, you can do it. Mm. I, I don't like that. That's a bit all or nothing to my mind. I've been in a Mercedes where I've accidentally bumped that speed limiter thing and couldn't work out what had gone wrong. Uh, oh, I, wouldn't, okay. yeah. I didn't want to have to floor the car while crossing the Harbour Bridge just to you know, get up to... <laughs> to what keep I up with the traffic. Of course, I set the, I'd bump the speed limiter below the speed limit. Oh, I see, yeah. People have, have said that, look, you know, this, this would be a safety problem in itself, that they need to accelerate to get out of trouble or to pass a truck. They need to be able to do this, but... Look, I think there's a lot of nonsense spoken about those downsides of sensible road safety things. And so people will say, I don't like road the speed limit changes in different areas because I have to spend so much time looking at the speedo and therefore I'll, I'll crash into something. I mean, it's that sort of nonsense that anyone who's been taught to drive knows how to scan, right? They're taught mm -hmm. to scan their their surroundings and to scan the speedo. So you're not driving looking at the speedo. No one does that. You're glancing, you're looking around your surroundings. So this sort of thing, this idea that, that someone's going to, I don't know, be totally unaware that the car has this function and would then put themselves in a situation where it's dangerous if they can't speed and, and accelerate quickly. You would take things into account. You would make sure that you had enough space or that you didn't overtake if it required you to exceed the speed limit like crazy. Yeah, I, I think adapting to and understanding what you've got. I think there are those that have the image that driving a car was a great joy, and I have that, but I can't assume to be able to do it at the expense of other people. 
And I think yes. we're now getting to the stage as we step towards autonomous cars where the great majority of our driving and ultimately perhaps all our driving on the road, not on the racetrack but on the road, will become one where we are not doing it for the sake of enjoyment of the drive but really as a, a mobility, as an access type of things. Mm. You talked about it as the situation where it, controls your actual accelerator there are also ones that merely give you a device a, a warning a reminder mm. yeah and and this idea of unconscious speeding david i i mean you, you effectively someone who says that they've they didn't know they were speeding is admitting to not paying proper attention while at the wheel of a massively dangerous vehicle hurtling through space yeah. having driven these ones with a beeper warning Initially, it drove me insane, but I didn't think that I was breaking the law a lot. But what it, it pushed me towards was actually travelling under the speed limit. Ah, it, it changed your behaviour, David. Correct. Yes, and this is what we're trying to achieve, isn't it? So many years ago, I did go to go-kart racing uh, as a sort of corporate day, and I was hanging around there, and uh, I did get rather close to a few other vehicles, and suddenly the car wasn't going to cart wasn't going well and I got frustrated and what have you and I got out and I said that car's not working he said I I turned it down <laughs> he had a re- remote control uh, then the frustrating thing was I didn't know that Every, everyone's a critic David <laughs> <laughs> yeah so a final story our trains too wide Brian we did a story some time ago where it was that the French government ordered some trains and they were too wide for the station one one of them was another country well now the New South Wales government seems to have done the same not too wide for every station but rather for some stations just out of the main city part towards the more regional areas up the Blue Mountains they've spent uh, or are spending 2.3 billion dollars on getting wide uh, getting trains new trains and uh, they had it done in China, I think. Uh, South Korea, sorry, South Korea. And they are saving money, that's fine, but they're going to be too wide for certain particular stations, as I say, on the outskirts of Sydney, yet certainly stations that people would commute from. Mm. Is this a classic blunder, Brian? I'm not sure it's a blunder. It's a conundrum for sure. Um, one of the problems that New South Wales has had in the rail space, as people say, is that uh, we've tended to buy, to, to design and build bespoke trains. You know, we, we don't buy off the shelf. And so one of the, the important tasks that the government went through a few years ago was to say, well, look, look it makes a lot more sense for, for us to buy a proven design and buy something off the shelf. So there's a lot of effort going into buying something that then is a proven design and in this case i think some of the platforms uh would need to be adjusted so i don't think it's a blunder i think it's it's a necessary change along the way to going with a more regular sort of uh rail design so i I kind of applaud the government for standardizing the way they do this it'd be a lot cheaper for us to buy stuff from overseas or even built in australia which is a standard conventional design rather than very tightly specified and controlled New South Wales only design. It's not that we're changing every station, just a few. It might be cheaper mm. to do that. Yeah. I wonder, though, whether they were the ones who walked into the showroom thinking they'd buy a little car and getting overpowered by the <laughs> fact of a big one. They, 
Because with cars, you know, the smaller ones don't cost that much less to build, but they do make bigger money on the bigger vehicles. I wonder whether they were good salesmen at the <laughs> other uh, end. I think maybe they might have bought the Corolla and had realised that it was it got bigger each year. Either that or they got talked up to ah, the camera. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put you in the, the deluxe. Are they getting wider because people are getting wider? <laughs> well, it's, it's around um, uh, aisles that have to fit wheelchairs and things like that in them, David. So um, you, oh, know, yes. you want a compliant system and, uh, and, a, and a totally compliant functional system. We have done the stories about, I think it was ferries that were really starting the trend where they were putting wider seats in and thus reducing the number of people that could fit on the ferry and they were doing it because the average size bum is getting much bigger. <laughs> a mate of mine, uh, who, whom is known well to the program, has just come back from America with a visit where he actually went on a sort of a cruise from New York down to, I think, Miami or something. So it wasn't quite the sort of typical cruise, but uh, he still said, boy, there's some people that eat an awful lot of stuff. (laughs) Two entrees, two main courses, two desserts, and that at each sitting. Money's worth. Transport covers every subject, doesn't it? It does. Brian, good to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Bye. And that's Brian Smith, and we were talking some quirky news.